0: Today, State of Tel Aviv is introducing a new format in which we provide a brief update on particularly important issues that receive saturation attention and coverage in the mainstream media. We're calling these briefs Quick Hits. In this episode, we focus on the significant Israeli military operation that took place last week in the West Bank city of Janine. I spoke last Thursday with Yaakov Katz, former editor of the Jerusalem Post and something of a military expert who always offers sharp insight into what is really going on behind the scenes. All events that Yaakov and I discuss occurred last week. The IDF raid on Janine took place from Monday to Wednesday. On Tuesday, there was a terror attack in Tel Aviv. And then, of course, the diplomatic and media fallout that never ends. I find that it is often helpful To wait for the immediate moment to pass, and then offer a more sober kind of zoom-out analysis, which is what we do here with Yaakov. Welcome to the State of Tel Aviv and Beyond. Quick Hit Number One, Janine, July, two thousand twenty-three. This is the State of Tel Aviv and Beyond, the podcast that brings you the straight-up, unfiltered story: what's really going down in Israel, politics economics, religion and state, lots of conflict. I'm your host, Vivian Berkovich, former Canadian Ambassador to Israel. We're on the street with the folks who live here and have skin in the game. Yalla, let's dive in. Yaakov Katz, good afternoon. It's good to see you again, although not under the best of circumstances, but thank you for joining State of Tel Aviv and beyond.
1: Great to be back with you, Vivian.
0: So we've had, even by Israeli standards, the last couple of weeks, it's just a, a crazy pace of events. What I want to focus on with you are the recent events in Janine. Why don't you start by just setting the stage and explaining what's been going on there leading up to the IDF operation that took place over the last two or three days? Well,
1: Why did the IDF feel the need to go in? I mean, as we know... Right. Terrorism has been part of Israel's story since inception, right? But as we look at the recent, I would say at least the last year or so, Janine has really turned into the epicenter of the source of terrorism in the West Bank. The IDF speaks of about 50 terrorist attacks that have emanated or originated within the refugee camp in Janine. So there's about 18,000 people who live inside there, but that that's really become, it's a very narrow, tight space it's become where Islam Jihad, Hamas, and other terrorist groups have set up their base of operations and have carried out dozens of attacks against Israelis, particularly in the West Bank, but also within the Green Line over the last year or so. So we're definitely, we're facing a, in, a significant increase in terrorism and in attacks and and in very fatal attacks as well, right? So what, what brought the IDF to go into Janine was an attempt to try to crack down on that infrastructure. Now, what makes Janine interesting, though, is that the IDF, as we know, operates with operational freedom throughout all of the West Bank and go into all these cities, and it periodically does, and it rounds up terror suspects and tries to thwart terrorist attacks. But it's also had cooperation with the Palestinian Authority over the years. The Palestinian Authority does not go into Janine. They have pretty much abandoned it. And I think that that also contributed to the evolution of how Janine has really turned into this battleground to an extent.
0: So why has the PA, the Palestinian Authority, the security forces, why have they basically abandoned Janine and allowed it to turn into a kind of, you know, no-fly zone for them? You know, there's
1: different explanations, right? People kind of trace it back even to COVID-19, that that's where things kind of started and they lost control of the youth and, and of the city, and it also, because of the militant kind of increase in militancy in the, in the refugee camp, the Palestinian Authority, they, they don't want to really confront that, and they don't want to have to deal with it, so it was easier for them to just walk away and have Israel have to deal with it. I think it it, it was a combination probably of a number of factors, but we do know, I mean, you know, Vivian, like I do, that the, the PA is weak, right? And that's yeah, no secret. And, right. You know, we can talk about the reasons why the PA is weak. It has to do with corruptions that have to do with the fact that it's just you know this, this institution and organization that doesn't really do much except self-sustain itself and ignore any Israeli attempt to, to talk. And I think that Israel found itself in a position that for the first time since the Operation Defensive Shield of 2002, during the height of the Second Intifada, it was an operation that restored, returned Israel to the West Bank Palestinian cities. But it didn't defeat terror. What it did was it allowed Israel to then continue to operate inside all of these cities. So it was one big wave of, att- of, of, of military action that then was followed up by constant operations, which we've seen over the last 21 years. In Jenin, because of the vacuum that had been created there by the PA, also Israel not operating there as much as maybe it should have for reasons of tight quarters, terrorism embedded with civilians. Israel didn't want to have to go in there if it didn't need to. They had established significant infrastructure and we see some of the you know the pictures and the stats and the and what's coming out of there. over a thousand explosive devices of varying sizes, dozens of, 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 of you know headquarters and weapons caches and you know over about a dozen terrorists who have been who have been taken out. This is a lot of infrastructure, a lot of roadside bombs, right? There's something underground tunnel networks and under mosques and next to schools that this has really gotten out of control.
0: There's also the Iran factor when we're talking about Janine right. and because Islamic Jihad and Hamas are the powers in that area. Talk about that, please. Look. How Iran is influencing and what message, if any, Israel is
1: sending. I mean, Iran you know is the greatest destabilizer that we have here in the region our greatest adversary and foe and and, and arch nemesis and the iranians it seems you know they've been pushing for this right they 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 supplied the weapons to an extent wherever they can smuggle them in whether it's from lebanon or egypt or the jordanian border they definitely are supplying funding as well as instructions and, and, and motivation, pushing these terrorist groups to carry out these attacks. Now, what's the reasoning for it? The reason that Iran would probably want to be doing this is because Iran has an open account to settle with Israel or score to settle over the two, two different issues. One is the covert operations and attacks that Israel has carried out over the years against Iran's nuclear program, which has been difficult for the Iranians to retaliate against. And the second is the Israeli constant strikes in Syria, which we see every week almost somewhere, where Israel is attacking and demolishing Iranian infrastructure in Syria. So the Iranians have realized they can't they can't successfully retaliate from Iran. They can they haven't been able to really successfully retaliate from Syria. But where they can really cause unrest and destabilize, destabilize Israel and maybe weaken Israel and hurt Israel is by pushing terrorist attacks from inside the West Bank. There's a okay. constant battle to fight Iran on multiple fronts. We have Iran with their nuclear program. We have Iran with terrorist infra- with their infrastructure in Syria. We have Iran with right. their terrorist proxies in places like the West Bank and Gaza and, and, and Hezbollah. And we also have Iran with their attempts to attack Israelis overseas. At any
0: given moment, the complexity
1: of Iranian activity vis-a-vis Israel using
0: multiple proxies on many fronts is overwhelming. To make sense of it all requires a framework, which is international in scope. As Katz explains, all these seemingly disparate parts become a coherent narrative when we zoom out and see the bigger picture. In addition to the Janine operation and ongoing Israeli strikes in Syria, there was a bizarre episode recently involving an Iranian operative. Mossad agents apparently infiltrated Iran, captured the man, and filmed him explaining exactly how he had intended, with accomplices, to murder at least one Israeli living in Cyprus. Whereas that highly unusual event may not have been directly related to Janine, it is part of a never-ending battle
1: of nerves and hostile engagement between Iran and Israel. So what's happening now on the diplomatic front is we know that the Americans are talking to the Iranians about a new interim deal for their nuclear program. Israel is not happy with that deal. And we're not seeing the same level of opposition like we saw back in 2015 when Prime Minister Netanyahu went to Washington, Congress and all that, but they're making their their opposition heard. And I think that that, that's the context within which to look at this is to show the Americans great that you're going to get them to cap enrichment, let's say, but Iran is much more than just enrichment. They want to assassinate people in Cyprus. They're a terrorist proxy. They do, you know, they have, they have their terrorist proxies. They're doing a lot more. I think I think that's the context within which to look at that. And by the way, you can't ignore the fact that in addition to all of that, to set for Iranians to watch this and say, you know, pardon my language, but holy shit, the Mossad is operating in our backyard, right? That kind of took the words out of my yeah. mouth. I mean, so, you know, that was a real holy shit moment. Right. It's meant to right. shock. That, that's got to get you scared. Right. That look at what Israel can do. And, and, you know, Israel, it's good to it's good to to maintain deterrence all the time and keep your enemy scared. Okay. so let's go to Janine. There
0: was a very significant operation launched. What was the understood purpose of the operation and did it accomplish what it was intended?
1: Right. So I, I think the way to answer that is just to first and foremost say you cannot there's no there's no solution. Right. There's no one, you know, you're in, you took them out, you're done, and now everything is great again. No. The terrorism will continue, right. and there will continue to be, ter- sadly, terrorist attacks like we saw as this operation was going on in Tel Aviv. Katz is referring, of course,
0: to a terror attack that took place in Tel Aviv. A man from the Hebron area drove a very large pickup truck at high speed into a group of people waiting at a bus stop. He then jumped from the vehicle and began to chase random people sitting in a cafe, stabbing them wildly with a very large knife. Seven Israelis were injured, two critically. One pregnant woman lost her baby. The carnage ended because a man in the area carried a gun and shot the terrorist.
1: The purpose here was to go in there, demolish infrastructure, capture as much of this weaponry as possible, take out the the main command centers and some of these terrorists who were eliminated. But it's really more about opening the door for future operations as they will be needed. So I don't think that we'll necessarily see another two, three days of IDF, of 1,000 IDF soldiers on the streets of Janine, but we will see definitely follow-up operations, and they could happen as early as, you know, in the next few days or next week, of where Israel goes in to grab a guy or take out a guy or, you know, things along those lines. That That's definitely what, what I think we've seen here. And, and by the way, also the use of drones and attack drones in this, which is a definite escalation over the last few weeks. What we've seen with the, the use of this tactic will, shows us that Israel is, is, is taking off the gloves and isn't afraid to use aerial attacks today in the West Bank is something that it hadn't really done in about 16, 17 years.
0: Has there been any public comment from either Abu Mazen or anyone in the Palestinian authority or security apparatus with respect to this operation that you're yeah about.
1: abu Mazen made comments first of all he, ca- he he of course cut off all security ties diplomatic ties made, you know issued complaints to the united nations security council and they're supposed to hold some session i think or today to discuss the escalation in violence you know the usual crap sorry for lack of better term
0: i was gonna say you're describing the basic checklist right, exactly. that happens like it's just time. another
1: it's another wednesday in in, in the world the right. uh the, the, the Abu Mazans, you know, they called it a massacre. They called for international intervention. You know, the, the usual standard comments that we'll hear from them. But, hey, you know, you see the images. You and I were not, are not in Janine. We're, we're not seeing exactly what's going on there. But we see, you know, there's destruction. Infrastructure has been destroyed. Mm-hmm. You know, I've, I've seen a lot of comments, for example, why did the the, the IDF send D9 bulldozers in there which were ripping up uh, roads, right? Why do they have to do that? Well, I mean, there's a reason why, right? It's not that Israel doesn't just go in and rip up a road. The reason that they would do that is because, remember, just two weeks ago, IDF did go in there to arrest a, a, a couple of guys and got hit by a massive roadside bomb hidden in, 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 on the side of a road. So you do have to send in these bulldozers first to clear the path, right? In in Hebrew, in in military terms, there's a, there's a saying. It's called sir right? To open up a route, right? So you don't just send troops down a street. There could be it could be mined with roadside bombs. So you have to first open it up and and, and clear the, these bombs that are there. And, and you look at the numbers of what the IDF has ca- captured. There are over 1,000 explosive devices. I mean, something is seriously wrong with what's going on inside Janine.
0: Before we began this discussion, we had a brief chat about some of the international media coverage of the Janine operation. And in particular, there was a BBC interviewer who spoke Yesterday evening with Naftali Bennett, former prime minister, and which she berated him for the fact that, as she put it, Israel likes
1: to kill children. Or is happy to kill children. I remember the exact quote, but something like
0: that. Something. I mean, you know, like, oh, here we go again, you know, rubbing our hands with glee. Can't wait to kill some more children. And she was speaking in particular to four individuals between the ages of 16 and 18 who met their end in this IDF raid. You saw the interview what did you think when you were watching it
1: it was shocking i mean I, you know i i i did a couple interviews over, over the last few days i did one on cnn this morning was not asked any questions along those lines but you know to hear that is just what like for real i mean then you're a journalist <laughs> you know like what is that kind of stuff i mean i'll give you another example you know i was interviewed a couple weeks ago about the there was remember there was that operation in janine where the soldiers went and got hit by a roadside bomb. Then there was on Tuesday, that was Monday. Tuesday was the attack at the settlement of Eilee, where four Israelis were murdered. And then Wednesday was the the settler rampages through some of these Palestinian villages, which is horrific. So I go on one of these international networks and on Thursday and they say, okay, so you know, this is what's going on, escalation in the Middle East, Monday, Israeli operation in Janine. Wednesday settler rampage through Palestinian towns, Yakov Katz, what do you have to say? And I'm like, what about Tuesday? You, you, you missed the plot, man. Four Israelis murdered, right? Like, you know, just conveniently forgot that? Come on, right? So, you know, this, this you know, so I corrected that for, for those people that they should not forget, you know, because that's part of the story. But sadly, you know, so that's, that's a little more mild example of what Naftali Bennett faced, but like to say that we like to kill kids this isn't journalism this there, there is a there's anti-semitic undercurrents in the media you know you could say maybe the guy who interviewed me then forgot about the attack on tuesday I find that hard to believe but fine but like to say to somebody you you're happy to kill children right this this is anti-semitism at its best right and and you know we have to fight back against that I agree. I think it was outrageous and
0: egregious. And sadly, I'm not surprised that it was the BBC pushing that kind of twisted narrative. Yaakov, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for making time today. Thank you,
1: Vivian. Always fun to talk to you.
0: Even for those of us living here,
1: the intensity
0: in Israel in recent weeks has been overwhelming. When we at the state of Tel Aviv and beyond think it will be helpful, we'll be dropping short debriefs in order to provide deeper analysis than you might hear on the radio or nightly news. Those are our quick hits. Oh, and I should mention that the BBC did issue a proper apology regarding their news anchor's hateful question put to former Prime Minister Naftali Bennett on Tuesday night. But BBC remains firm in stating that their coverage is fair and balanced. Right. Okay. Whatevs. Thanks for listening. State of Tel Aviv is supported by listeners and readers like you. We are an independent media organization, and in order for us to create this content, we need your support. Please visit our website at stateoftelaviv.com. That's stateoftelaviv.com, and consider becoming a paid subscriber. You will also find some fabulous print articles providing superb background analysis and opinion on what's going down. Each supporter makes a huge difference.